Hey there, friend. I'm Susan, and this is the Spark Chasers Podcast, a series dedicated to the educational changemakers who embrace creativity, seek out challenges, and collaborate on solutions. This is a show for any educator looking to explore the creative side in the classroom, business, and life. So grab a cup of caffeine, your favorite flare pen, and let's chat about what's now and what could be next. Welcome back to another episode of Spark Chasers. I'm your host, Susan Riley, and today we are continuing our tour through our conference presenters with a very special guest, Dr. Sean Woodley, who's going to be sharing a lot of information about his movement, Teach, Hustle, Inspire, and how to motivate and engage students in culturally diverse classrooms. He is a featured speaker at our event, so if you haven't already signed up, and I know that many of you have, but if you haven't yet, go on over to artsintegrationconference.com, get yourself registered with our keynote speakers, Julie Andrews and Laura Bonanti, as well as our featured speakers and sessions. I guarantee you this is going to be summer PD that is going to be totally worth it. Now, Dr. Sean Woodley has dedicated his professional career to education. He is a decorated K-12 teacher, university professor, and author whose deep passion and research have allowed him great success as an educator and entrepreneur. He's the architect behind the educator movement Teach, Hustle, Inspire, and has written the best-selling book MC Means Move the Class, How to Spark Engagement and Motivation in Urban and Culturally Diverse Classrooms. In both education and life, Dr. Woodley believes in having fun. He educates with love, enthusiasm, motivation, and hustle. All right. Hello, Sean. Thank you so much for joining us on the Spark Chasers podcast. Good afternoon. Thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure to be here, Susan. Wonderful. So tell us a little bit about yourself. For those of our, our audience who may not know you, just give us a little introduction about who you are and what you do. Absolutely. My name is Dr. Sean Woodley, and I am an educator. I am an author, and I am about all things Teach, Hustle, Inspire. Uh, the Teach is about unlocking intellectual treasure. The Hustle is about how we can't stop and we won't stop learning. And the Inspire is about spreading love and light. I am a career educator. I taught in urban and culturally diverse schools at the K-12 level for 10 years. Been teaching at the college level now for going on four plus years. And in that time, I became an author and started to really expand my research and work uh, serving urban and culturally diverse schools to help with teacher development to at the end, meet the end goal, which is student achievement. Okay. So I, I love this idea of the teach, hustle, inspire movement. Um, I'm curious with mm-hmm. your movement into teaching um, at the college level, are you you're yes. teaching uh, pre-service teachers, correct? Yeah. Well, most of my students um, are either aspiring to or are currently in the classroom. Okay. Mm-hmm. So um, when it comes to teacher prep programs, and we're thinking mm-hmm. about this movement of Teach, Hustle, Inspire, what is, what's the, the big thing that you see as a challenge right now for those educators? And how can we get beyond that challenge? Well, outside of this pandemic, if you will, <laughs> yeah. uh, one of the big challenges is trying to break the 
thinking cycle of teaching how you were taught. Mm. Many of us were taught in very traditional classrooms. Um, and many of us, I know I can speak very clearly for myself. We had teachers that yelled. We had teachers that um, did not create the optimal learning environment. And what I try to encourage, whether it is my students, whether it is the participants in my workshop, if I'm facilitating a keynote, one of the things that I try to convey is that with the Inspire, the spreading love and light, how are you creating an environment where your students want to genuinely connect to you? Are you creating an environment that you would want to sit in and be mm -hmm. a part of that would spark something in you. So really, I think one of the key things missing is that level of self-awareness and stepping outside of what you may have experienced to create an experience that is authentic, that can work for your students. Mm -hmm. So um, I know that we see this when we are working with our certification candidates. And I also saw this when I was working in central office that um, to your point about people being taught, be, teaching the way that they were taught or not knowing another method. Um, mm -hmm. When they are in the classroom, I, I know that we find students struggle with lesson planning because mm -hmm. they've been given pre-scripted curriculum for so long. Do you find that mm -hmm. as well? And how do, we, how do we break that and still achieve our curricular objectives? Well, there's a fine balance between that. And there's also a lot of, there's a certain comfort level that happens with that as well. And it's just a matter of practice because you have to shift your paradigm with that a lot. And in that shift, it's really just, if you think about the way that the brain was designed to work, it's designed, one of the primal things is to keep you safe. And it keeps it in its mind, in your brain's mind, if you will, keeping you safe means keeping things familiar. So the moment that things are not familiar, it kind of gives you these warning signs that we need, we need to go back to what we know. And so the way to break out of that, to shift that paradigm into a new normal is to slowly but steadily introduce newer things so that now these newer things that are little increments are not so new. And then you can add something to that. And the next thing you know, your new normal now exists. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So why do you think teachers need to move in this direction? I mean, I'm sure I, I have a feeling I know the why, but I think every, every educator is driven by a why, a mm -hmm. why they're so passionate about this approach that they're advocating for. So what's your why around this, the shift? Well, for, for me, speaking from the perspective of being an African-American, from speaking of the perspective of being an African-American male mm -hmm. and from my vantage point of being in the seat as a student, being in the classroom as a teacher and now being a teacher of teachers, if you will. One of the common things that I try to help, help other educators understand is that we are trying to teach amid, uh, amongst a system that was not designed for a lot of minority and underserved populations to be successful. Mm -hmm. And whether that was with intent or whether it was done accidentally, it still exists. And it's a very pervasive system. And so to try and teach, but remain in the confines of that is very difficult 
Sometimes you may not even realize that the things and how you are teaching students goes against how they make sense of the world and it creates barriers unintentionally. So mm -hmm. it, you have to develop a certain level of self-awareness and acceptance of certain things so that you can recognize when things are not right and help to work, still work within the confines of what you are supposed to do, but shift that narrative. Because if you look at the educational data and it will show you basically a high level. If you look at it just for what it is in black and white, it'll show you that students from underserved populations cannot learn. It will show you that students that are English language learners cannot learn. But really when you peel back the layers of that, what systems exist where teachers are trying to operate with really one hand tied behind their back? And what is it that we can do differently to help understand and peel back those layers so we can help students be successful. Yeah, so what are some what are some of those ways that teachers can peel back those layers and find out what will help their students to be successful? Well, it starts really with understanding who you're teaching. Mm -hmm. And that sounds very simple at, on its surface, but it, there's a lot to that. Um, one of the key ways that we can begin to know who we are serving is to start to understand culture. Mm -hmm. Many people have an understanding of culture that is very surface. Mm -hmm. And the problem is when that surface level definition of culture is all that we know, we try to leverage it. We see that we don't get the results that we might want. So then we think things like culturally responsive pedagogy are not successful. A lot of mm -hmm. times we think, clothing, food, dialect, music, exterior, surface level things are what we define as culture. And so we might, we've all been in school where they have those cultural celebrations where everyone brings a dish, fantastic food. Oh, it's, it's wonderful. And, and we hang up, you know, the posters and the flags and things. And all of those things are, are fantastic. And they're a wonderful way to pay tribute to our ancestors. Um, but if that is where it stops, then we're doing our students a disservice. There's a genuine effort that is there. However, it's very surface. When we understand that culture goes below the surface and we start to introduce things like concepts of space, personal space, concepts of time, concepts of respect, and we start to understand those things and what they mean, and more importantly, how emotion is tied to them, then we begin to understand our students for who who they are in comparison to who we are and the chemistry that that can create. Mm, such an important point. And I, I know so many educators who genuinely want to support their, their students, their classrooms have transformed yes. um, significantly in the last decade alone. And what they did 10 years ago is no longer working for their students. And they're a little frustrated because they don't understand why. And I think to your point, um, I'm, I'm wondering whether or not we've taken the opportunity to ask our students and to, mm -hmm. to speak with them and truly listen as to what they need and um, how they learn best. Um, I, I remember in my own classroom when I took the time to do that and I could understand, oh, you like to move. Like, and even I didn't necessarily need to even speak. I didn't even need to ask a question. I just watched. I was observant yes. of my students. And you know, the kids, they're constantly up and moving and that's their access point, right? And so if I wanted to teach them, I needed to, to enter through their access point. Um, 
in terms of for, for our educators who are struggling in this area and we're we want to impact our students, but we can't, we know we can't stay where we were and we know that we need to change. Um, what other ways can they really learn about the culture of their students beyond the surface level? How do, how do they engage in those relationships to have a deeper understanding of their students? Taking the time to become self-aware to understand that they need to do that in the first place is one. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, really because sometimes we'll have a conversation and there's not even a recognition that something might need to be adjusted on the side of the educator. So mm -hmm. there's this level of awareness that we need to have first because anything that combats that when it's not there is going to fall on deaf ears. Mm -hmm. Secondly, there needs to become this kind of comfort with letting go of what we know and leaving space for what we don't. Mm -hmm. Inviting the opportunity that some things that you may have done in the past may not have been correct and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Inviting and leaving space for the opportunity to learn new things and replace those old ways of being so that you can get, can get to know your students for who they are. And, and really, as you mentioned, kind of just sitting back and observing, what you'll start to find is as you make those incremental shifts you'll start to see things that were right in front of your face the entire time, but you never paid attention to them. It, yeah. it kind of, it filters through a different part of your reticular activating system. And now it's like, oh, never noticed that before. It's the same thing when you get a brand new car, yeah. you get a new car, all you have a Toyota Camry, all of a sudden there are a bunch of Toyota Camrys around you. They've been there the entire time. You just never saw them. So it's kind of the same thing with those students that are sitting right in front of your face. Absolutely. Um, okay, I wanna shift gears a little bit um, mm -hmm. because your book, The MC Means Move the Class, yes. uh, highlights how to engage students in urban and culturally diverse classrooms. So um, tell me a little bit more about that book and what educators might be able to learn from the material in there. Sure. The, the book kind of gives... I use the analogy of a DJ because when I was teaching, I kind of had a side hustle as a DJ. And so what I would do is a lot of times I would teach during the day and I would DJ in evenings and weekends. Many a day, I would drive up to school and have my materials in my passenger seat, but in my trunk, I had two turntables and I had a microphone, all my DJ equipment. Very fun. I started to grow in being a DJ while growing as being a teacher. And I learned that there are a lot of similarities in one role as compared to the other. For example, when I'm in the classroom and when I'm on stage as a DJ, I'm in a one-to-many environment. In both of those roles, I'm the source of motivation. So I'm trying to get my students to learn or I'm trying to get these people to dance and move. I am making real-time decisions because if this song that I play doesn't quite land the way that I want, I have to make some adjustments quickly. Mm -hmm. Same thing in the classroom. If I see this lesson is not landing, I have to make some adjustments quickly. You know, mm -hmm. so all of those realizations and more, I started to kind of see, wow, these, my objectives are a lot in many, many ways the same for each of these roles. And so I use that as a framework to introduce what I call the elements of our education. And I use a little bit of alliteration. They are alliance, achievement, awareness, and artistry. And so what educators can take away from that are really core elements as to how they can begin to shift and make stronger connections and build 
that classroom that they want from the ground up. The achievement is about getting our students from where they are to where they need to be with instruction that responds to our students culturally. The Alliance is about relationship building, especially when you're teaching students of color, especially when you're engaging with students that may not have had the best experiences with education prior to getting in your classroom. Those relationships are going to be the foundation of everything. Mm -hmm. That awareness is what I was talking about before, that, that self-awareness and that recognition of where we need to create space to maybe learn some things new. And that starts by turning that mirror on ourselves. And then that artistry is really one of the, the elements that I think is left out a lot of teaching and we don't really get to dabble enough in is, is the creative side of it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, that's, of course, this is coming from my own lens for arts integration and STEAM, but I think creativity is really the heart of everybody. Like that's, that's where you can access so many different cultures and different people and have those relationships and build those and foster them is, and it's a safe space too. I think, you know, because everybody is taking a risk in creativity. It's not Mm -hmm. a, a winner take all it's everybody's in that same risk zone. So it's, it's safe for everyone. Absolutely. Um, I love this, this concept of having these pillars that, that teachers can work through. I think that makes it a little bit, um, I don't know, more accessible, but it, it makes it seem less daunting. I, I will mm-hmm. say that speaking with a lot of educators, um, I, I believe intentions are good. Uh, mm-hmm. But I also yes. believe that sometimes educators feel as though they don't know where to go next, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think those pillars of having um, the alignment and the artistry and having those those A's all aligned together gives us a, a way to move forward, which is so, so helpful. So thank you for that. Absolutely. Um, one of our previous episodes, I'm curious about your opinion on this one, um, mm-hmm. because I, I love that you have the teach, hustle, inspire mentality. Um, and I think the way that you approach it is so fantastic because it is it is inspiring for educators, but at the end of the day, it's impactful for students. And that's your end goal. And that's so clear. Um, one of the, the episodes we previously did was having a difficult conversation around the idea of edutainment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure you're aware of, of that idea. It's, it's very prevalent in education right now. Um, and I'm curious on your perspective on edutainment, um, how you perceive it to be working or not working or mm-hmm. how we can leverage it or not um, in the classroom. Sure. I, I'm a fan because I like to think of it as a way of making learning interesting, making learning a more engaging experience, and it provides a level of motivation. Now, when it's planned appropriately, and when the right structures are in place, it can be a phenomenal, phenomenal learning experience. I I think of the same thing kind of when I facilitate staff development, or even if I'm giving a, a, a short keynote address, but there's a certain level of entertainment that is built in it has to be otherwise I'm just reading bullet points <laughs> yes and, and and I don't care who you are no one wants to sit through that so if a, if <laughs> right. adults don't want to do that why do we think kids would want to do the same thing what are we doing to captivate their attention and there's a certain level of entertainment and education that it happens I've seen some of the most creative educators take standards and lessons and literally lift them off of the page mid-class. If that isn't entertainment, 
I don't know what is. I'm a fan of. Great. That's awesome. And everybody has their own point of view. And I think, again, Mm -hmm. like so many things, it does come down to intention. I mean, that's at Mm -hmm. least my point of view on it. And that if your intention is to, again, lift those standards off the page and make it engaging for students and really to align those things and and show them practical learning, I think that's amazing. And I think, Mm -hmm. you know, I had a, my background is as a music educator. I went to a music conservatory. My voice teacher was like, performers and educators are the same thing. You are, Mm -hmm. when you're standing in front of of, of an audience, whoever they are, you are entertaining them. learn how to do that and you will succeed. And she was absolutely right. So um, I'm with you on that one. Um, (laughs) One more question before I let you know, it's the thing that I ask everyone. Um, What do you think is the most important thing that educators can walk away from this year? Particularly this year is the recognition that you are probably, I won't say probably, the recognition and understanding that you're stronger than you thought you are. Um, because of the fact that with everything that has happened over these last 12, 15 plus months, this has shown us a side of education, which nobody could have anticipated. I mean, I'm not sure where you went to college, grad school, my program, we didn't have pandemic teaching one-on-one. And, and so I'm pretty, pretty certain that the vast majority of educators did not have that either this forced us to kind of pull different things out of us in times of uncertainty. This forced us to connect and relate to and relate with our students in very different and creative ways naturally. And it forced us to really get to that next level of self. Some of us had to get broken down to build back up. But when we broke that, when you broke that old person down and built back up, you came back twice as strong. So I think in many of these instances, a lot of people were able to, and I shared something about this maybe a week or so ago via social media, that the recognition that you were stronger than than you may have originally thought. Uh, It took something like this to show that to us, Mm -hmm. but I think the fact still remains the same. That's, that's so true. Uh, teachers are the most resilient people I think I've ever met. So um, yeah, definitely. So tell us how teachers can get in touch with you, how they can find you, all of that good stuff. Absolutely. I'm on social media pretty much every single day via Instagram at Teach Hustle Inspire or Twitter. It's just my first and last name, Sean Woodley. Teach Hustle Inspire was too long. <laughs> Facebook, Teach Hustle Inspire. Um, and my website is www.teachhustleinspire.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Sean, for being on the show with us. And I really look forward to your session at our conference this summer. Thank you so much, Susan. Enjoy your day. All right, you too. Well, check that off your list, my friends. You just finished another episode of the Spark Chasers podcast. If you want more, head over to artsintegration.com forward slash Spark Chasers for show notes, a space to tell me what you thought of today's show, and links to what we talked about today. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. This helps others find the show so we can all grow and learn together. Can't wait to get together again soon.